vicious, but brilliant. Hello and welcome to New York Talk. This is the Rotherham United podcast. And for as fun and happy the last episode was, this one will be the opposite for the first 10 minutes or so, unfortunately. <laughs> um, a great win, overshadowed by some incidents again, which we're going to cover. Um, so we'll come to that now. As interesting as we've got, we've got myself, Matt, Mix with us. Hello, Michael. Hello. You're all right. You're in a new setting for everybody that's watching on YouTube, yeah. which is off-putting. Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll manage. Um, Danny, you're back with us as well. Thank you for joining us, mate. Hello, everybody. And Will is back with us. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Will. Yo, yo, yo. Thank you. Um, so, as we know, we won 1-0, and we will come on to some lots of really good stuff from the game, because there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of interesting stuff to cover from the game. But we have to start with the incident before the penalty was taken with two fans, uh, people, let's call them people, uh, running onto the pitch, kicking the ball away, and essentially one of them assaulting Harry Pell. Um, the club have a statement, really good statement as always, as you'd expect from a football club, um, but it's becoming an unpleasant and trend, not just Rotherham United, let's, you know, it's not all Rotherham United, there are other clubs, you should look at Notch Forest on Sunday. Uh, Leicester, sorry, uh, the Forest game. Look at what happened at Morecambe and other things. But this is a massive issue and a really frustrating issue for all sensible and normal people in the country. That's not just football. This is a societal societal problem. Um, Will, I understand you you asked to come on, and we're glad to have you on. I'll start <laughs> with you. You've sort of prepared something you want to want to say, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and get through this as quickly as possible because, of course, there's a lot of positive things to talk about yesterday, uh, from yesterday as well as um, some some other things as well. So I'll get through this as quickly as I can and as succinctly as I can. Um, hopefully you guys can can stay with me. For me, football is the biggest sport in the UK and it's it's loved by millions. We've seen uh, it's very best that it, uh, to... We've seen the very best that it has to offer uh, from a club point of view, a couple of Wembley wins and countless promotions of, of recent times. And on a national level, the Euros uh, from the summer, encapsulating a nation, uniting people who would ordinarily not come together, but they do come together to support um, a cause. And when things are going well, there's no better feeling. The roar of 3,000 fans at the Eco Power Stadium on Tuesday proved that. Our fans can be the difference between a win and a loss, driving the team on when they're a little bit flat, um, a little bit jaded and in need of a spark. Sadly, across the country, fan, fan behaviour seems to have taken a turn that I, I've yet to see in my lifetime. Leicester fans scrapping with, with Forest players today, uh, racist chanting in the, the game at Morecambe yesterday, similar scenes at MK last week, um, a fan chasing the ref uh, at Pompey. The list, unfortunately, goes on and on. It's a sorry state of affairs and unfortunately this season we've been caught up in it um, on, on numerous occasions. And we have to admit at this stage that sadly 
collectively we are part of the problem, whether it be one or 8,000 of us on and off the pitch, we win, lose and draw as a team. I think because of the successes we've seen uh, this season on the pitch, we've collected what can only be described as utter cockwombles that have no interest in football and uniting with fellow fans to create those those wonderful memories that we all cherish, um, but are more concerned about creating a name for themselves by acting improperly for a reason that's completely unbeknownst to me. For the club, it's really damaging to our reputation. We're a club that's been hated uh, outside of these ranks during uh, the Evans era, and Warney's worked really hard to cultivate a uh, a culture within the club that's seen our stock rise within uh, the football world, not only you know inside football clubs, but also fan bases as well. Um, and we're looked upon a lot more favourably nowadays, right up until the last month or so. The players don't need this. It's a distraction for them. The fans don't need this. They don't want to be tarred with the same brush as people like like these individuals that have done what they did yesterday. The club definitely doesn't need a hefty fine or points deductions. And I think eventually what's going to happen, sadly, is we're going to be forced to play behind closed doors and we're going to miss those wonderful moments with with friends and family that will be remembered for lifetimes because of these cowardly individuals that have nothing better to do with their life. Selfishly, I need football. Without it in my life, my mental health is shot and I won't be here without it. Uh, this team has given me so much joy and I will not let mindless idiots take that away from all of us. I'm sick to the back teeth of talking about fan behaviour, not only across my club, but also the rest of the country. It detracts away from the fact that we are six points clear in the toughest League One that's ever existed. It detracts from one of the best goalkeeping performances I've ever seen at the New York Stadium. We should be talking about Dan Barlett Barlays as howitzer from yesterday, but it feels like each week we're talking about individuals that can't appropriately support their team. I love this club, and the majority of its fans are first class, great banter, and intelligible, intelligent, um, and knowledgeable fans. Last thing from me: let's let's get right behind these lads and give everything that they need to be successful moving forwards. Well put, Will. Very very well put. Um, yeah, they are horrible. Yeah, so we've got we had a message from Paul Merrick who was, was unfortunate enough to be sitting next to these people that ran the pitch. Um, and they may well be rather United fans, but they're not regular fans, they don't come every game and things such as that. But as as Will said, we still, as a club, as a fan base, still got to take collective responsibility because what's going to end up happening is you're going to get harsher stewarding, rightly, you're going to get harsher treatment from policing and away games and things such as that. It affects everybody, what's happening. Whether whether you're involved or not, um, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And we're laughing about it, but it's just, it's not good. Um, Danny, you obviously, people have seen the vlog. The the incident was bizarre to start with. The initial run on the pitch is, we can't condone it and we will never condone it. But we've seen it at other games. There's that famous clip at Barnsley where the two fans run on the pitch and have a cookie bat and score a goal. In a week's time after the incident, you can you can accept it. It's, it's a little bit funny, but this was completely different. This was going on the pitch and attacking a player, and which, like by Will's mention, the Pompey game, people chasing the referee. 
that's that's the difference in for me in this incident compared to other incidents. It's the attack in the player that is the key disgrace. Yeah, and that's the thing. It can change in an instant, can't it? In a split second, it can turn from something that would, would otherwise be quite funny. Like you say, with the Barnsley fans having a kick about and someone's running on the pitch and just oofing the ball upfield. In that split second, it's turned from something that some fans will laugh at to something that's turned into a very, very serious issue and should not be in football at all. Like, for example, someone's pointed out in the comments in the vlog, I say, go on, son. All right, I'm not going to hide away from that. I do say it. Because every single person in that stand knew exactly what that player was going to do. He was going to run up to the ball and boot it away, which he did. But then he trains his left hand on Harry Pell, which then turns it into a physical assault, which should not be in football at all. It's diabolical behaviour to do that. <clears throat> if the lad runs on the pitch, oofs the ball away, and then does nothing else, and the stewards just gab, nab him or he slips on his ass. it's mm. hilarious and everyone will have a laugh at him. But the moment he's swung his hand at Harry Pell, he's turned it into a very, very serious situation, which has put a very negative lie both on the club and on our fans. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. It, yeah. It's just... Uh, make... Anything you want to add before we move on? Because it's yeah, we've, I, I'm determined we're going to talk about more about Rotherham United tonight than we have in previous episodes. Anything you want to anything you want to add on it? Not really. I think Will's put it perfectly, perfectly well, and I don't think you can add a great deal uh, more to what Will's already said. It was, it was fantastic. That um, I think, to be fair, as one of them were getting dragged off, I think the the rest of the um, rest of the crowd let them know exactly what they thought of them. Um, either that, or they thought they worked in a bank I'm not sure but um <laughs> but yeah I mean it's just embarrassing isn't it? but we say it every week but like 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 Will said you know it's not just Rotherham United is it you know you've got you've got the same kind of arseholes at Bolton at Portsmouth at Leicester at all over the country it's just little boys who, who are trying to prove that they've got something in the trousers that they haven't actually got you know what I mean whatever Whatever, it, it, it just reflects yeah. badly on us, but the club's done the right thing. They, they, they've banned these people, not that they've probably ever been before or will ever come again anyway. Um, Hopefully not. You know, it is what it yeah. is, isn't it? I, I want to also say, in defence of a lot of Rotherham fans, I don't think a lot of fans knew at the time that, it, that the, the kid had hit the player. I think there was a lot of confusion. I think that's why Daniel and others, Paul Davis didn't, didn't tweet about it, hit him until after the game. So not everybody's clearly seen the incident, they've just seen the fan on the pitch. So I think it's important to defend because I saw a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook saying, "Our oh, people were laughing at it at the time. Some people at the time wouldn't have known that he actually hit the player. I mean, so I, I didn't see him hit the player until I looked at the clip afterwards and went, whoa, yeah. hang on a minute. Yeah, exactly. So the people on the pitch are deserve every ban and everything they get. Let's chill out. Unless, unless people are actually laughing at the assault, which is obviously not okay, I think it's important to accept that not everybody saw the incident as it, as it happened mm. coming. I was just going to say, I don't. I, it's not. It's not something that, like we've already said, it's happened the last four games. The last four games that we've played, you know, it happened at Fleetwood, it happened at Crew, it happened at Doncaster. Uh, after mm. that fourth goal, after the penalty went in, there were punches thrown. Whether they were thrown at stewards or whether they were yeah, thrown yeah. at each other, uh, it at yeah. looked to me that they were throwing throwing punches at each other. But it may have been the stewards. Yeah. You know, I suppose if it's stewards, it's all right, isn't it? No, it isn't. No. Listen, if anybody's watching this, anybody's listening to this, who, who goes to the match, looking for bother, looking for trouble, sod off, 
you dickheads, get away from our club, leave us alone. We don't want you. And I apologize. I apologize for my language. It could have been a lot, it could have been a lot worse and should have been a lot worse, to yes. be fair. Uh, we don't want you at our club. Sorry, you remember me, you put me out, you made me. I swear it was unexpected, Michael. Sorry for laughing. At that. I apologize. If I've offended yeah. anybody, I apologize. Um, and the club, uh, Harry, Harry Pellwolf, so we, we, we tweeted out an apology to him. Not that he needs one from us, but it, I thought every player on the pitch dealt with it much better than I would personally have dealt with it. From from him, Harry Pellwolf himself, to all the players, I thought they were brilliant. And again, well done to everybody. And again, apologies to Ackington. Apologies to Harry Pell, Apologies yeah. to Ackington. The only apology to the ref is that that's for apologies to the ref. He's had to deal with that situation as well. Come on to him later on. Um, yeah, should have happened. Please, please stop it happening, guys. Um, to just again, David's going to point out this is important to point out from a football point of view. Stop going about points deduction, it won't happen. It's very, very unlikely. There's no precedent for a points deduction. But as Will said, massive fines, they could close the stand, they could close the stadium. The repercussions of it are still very, very serious. Um, and obviously, a guy got assaulted as well, which is the most serious of everything. So let's move on. Let's talk about. A game that was incredible at times, <laughs> terrible at times, but incredible at times. Let's go who we've got with us. We've got Matthew Helpson all in with us. Hello, Baza is with us. Harry Cobb's with us. Scott Grundy, Donna's back with us. Philip Rowlinson is a popcorn at the ready for mixed ref report. We'll see you <laughs> later on. <laughs> um, Cheers, Phil. Yeah. Yes. So... Let's go back to well, where should we start? Honestly, where to start with this game? Um let's start with the good. Let's start with Dan Barlasser and that goal. Um it was one of those, Danny, that looked beautiful. It just aesthetically, it just looks amazing. And as it came down from the air, I started shouting, Oh, go on, go on. And one is bang on right. That were in car park, got it back at net, and it's just sweet as a nut. Yeah, it was. And from where he's hit it, I was banging line with it up the other end. And I think with all good stories, you need to start from the beginning. It seems strange that we're kicking towards the north stand yes. first. But, you know, it's a disruption tactics from Accrington, which they do do very well because did it. we did it very well at their place. And um, we'll come on to the time wasting in a minute. Um, but with Barlas's goal, like I say, it's sweet as a nut strike. But it is one of them where... If you misplace it on your foot ever so slightly, it's over the stand and someone's going to have to yeah. fish it out of the river, Don. Um, but he's hit it sweet as you like. Left their keeper no chance. And even the Accrington play, uh, some of the Accrington fans are applauding it, going, that's a fantastic goal. Because I've seen uh, their perspective on it and they're saying it's a fantastic goal. But it just adds another string to Barlas's bow, which is some nice alliteration, actually. Um, he's now got the distribution and now he's got the long-range strike. And I'll tell you what, I bet you we were absolutely buzzing in the dressing room at full time. Maybe not about other instances, but with his goal, amazing. And I think it's eight goals for the season for him now, I think. Wow. Which, again, best return for him as a player as well. So, fair play to him. bet his mum's really proud of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan Vernon Ballas is a class of the rest of the squad. Love the lads. He's in the Geordie Hoddle. Um, <laughs> we'll line you, like, you for that one, Mick. Uh, yeah. don't, don't quite line up with the chant, though, does it? I can see where he's coming yeah. from with that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It was a tough game, Will, because the goal was as good as it was. Accrington did everything they could to stop us. And it worked. It took a moment of, of magic 
to break them down. Yeah, I think for me, uh, just just very quickly looking at my notes, uh, for me it was clear uh, that our game plan was to get the ball to Dan uh, throughout the game, but they were, uh, and that's shown by the fact that he had the most touches on the pitch out of everyone, uh, but probably didn't use the ball as well as he, he has done in previous games. That strike, however, is is just forgives everything because the technique, given the fact that the, the guy is leaning back when he hits it, is nothing short of world-class. Nothing short of world-class. And if yeah. Kevin De Bruyne is doing that in the Premier League, we're talking about this as a, a goal of the season contender um, and people are talking about it for years to come. And this is exactly the same. Um, you know, great work from uh, from Wilesy with the ball, uh, ball into box, which... Michael Nottingham, who had a great game, uh, you know, clears away and if 25 yards from goal, um, you know, you're probably back in the fact that this ball's going anywhere but the top corner. But that's Dan Barlassa. What a strike. Yeah. Would you back anybody else in the team, Mick, to hit that as sweet as he did? He might be the only one that could do it. I think, I think Ben Wiles could probably pull that one off. Uh, yeah, yeah. And obviously Woody, obviously Woody would be able to <laughs> really done that straight away. But as, as that ball were coming down, I'm thinking to myself, please don't hit it, please don't hit it, please don't. How opposite! Oh my word! <laughs> I mean, it, it was sweet, absolutely sweet. And to be fair, you know, when you look look back at it, his technique is brilliant. He's leaning back quite a lot. Mm. He's, he's quite a distance from the ball as he strikes it. But I think the fact that he was so far away from the ball just just made it hit his foot even sweeter um yeah. what a finish what an absolute screaming finish um and, and it's what accrington deserved to be fair because of the way that they played hugely disappointing hugely disappointing in the way that they played <laughs> but you know uh they got what they deserved we'll in the end yeah, I'll tell you one player who might be game. capable of um, of a goal like that, Ollie Rathbone, because he nearly pulled it off himself 10 minutes well, later, did. didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that were a lovely move, that one, by the way, the, the, the move to it, and then mm, yeah. I thought that we're in our half off celebrating for that Rathbone shot. That um, would have been a better goal. Yeah. I thought when a Rathbone's yeah. gone in, that would have been a better goal than Dan Barlas's, and that's saying something, just because of the, yeah. the, the build-up to it as well. Yeah, Will Griggs' layoff was fantastic, wasn't it? Pinpoint layoff, but it's just a shame the ball just curved the wrong way. It goes all the way, top bins, and everyone's ecstatic, aren't they? Especially yeah, the Rathbone. game over, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, on Barlas Danny, two years ago, he was one of the best players in our team in League One. Last season was a little bit hit and miss. This season, if it almost feels like the complete package. Yeah, that like Will says, he didn't have the, the by his own standards, he didn't have the best game. But he was still one of the best players on pitch. He's just come on leaps and bounds from that kid who came two years ago. Yeah, he has. He's, he's matured as a person as well, Anthony. Not just as a player, but as a person. And, and I mean, we know because we've uh, we've chatted to him, but. He has a very stable head on his shoulders and he knows what work he needs to do to him, not only improve himself, but improve his ability as a footballer. And this season, it's definitely bearing fruit because he can sort of play in his own sort of little possession pocket, if that makes sense. Mm. He plays in a position where he can get on the ball a lot, which is the game he wants to play. But he's also got two very capable running midfielders in front of him as well. Um, and it's all just sort of slotted into place this season. And... Um, <laughs> and he's now showing that he can pull off some absolute worldies, can't he? Because yeah. there's, there's Cambridge um, where he won us the game in mm. roughly the same minute. I think, no, no, it wasn't. So, no, I'm 
no, miles miles later <clears throat> similar sort of goal though it just sort of breaks to him and he smashes mm. it same with this one but because he's caught this one on the volley tops it goal at season goal at <laughs> season it's just pipped smiths at morecambe just pipped it mm. we've got a good goal at so we don't only have a very good goal this season contests in the club we've got we've got one this year um Brian Vernon, Barlasser will be even better next season if we go up because we'll get more time on the ball. He's matured as a player, Danny says. I think he's improved from last season, so I, I agree completely. Um, on the lineup, Will, we saw two changes. Woody came back in, uh, this is Matic, and Shane Ferguson came in for Miller. Um, starting on Ferguson, on, on both wingbacks for me, I thought both wingbacks really, really struggled. I don't know whether it was them pushing us back or whether we made a conscious effort to stay for them both to stay deeper. But th their starting point, certainly for the whole first half, was far too deep. It, it, they weren't able to cause any damage. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was shocked that uh, Mikel Miller didn't start given um, mm. the, the game that he had on Tuesday mm. uh, and the fact that it's, it's a game of, of momentum. Um, what I would say is... Um, it's a squad game, and we've got so many games coming up that you know we we've got to um, we've got to manage that, I guess. So uh, I thought the side that was put out was probably the right side, um, and certainly from Accrington's perspective, I've, I wasn't aware that Colby Bishop wasn't available. So mm. when he wasn't on the pitch, I was absolutely overjoyed. Um, that said, they made it very very difficult for us, um, and. I think probably Chio didn't have the space in behind that he probably wanted to, maybe dropped a little bit too deep and then left himself with too much to do. Out of possession, they were a John Coleman side, you know, really well organised. Um, and it was an obvious game plan from my perspective that they were trying to slow the game down. They were trying to frustrate us. And for the majority of the game, it worked, if I'm completely mm. honest, aided by... The referee, which I'm sure will uh, be discussed further down the line, yes. um, but but yeah, I mean their game plan from from a, a an away team perspective, I don't think there'll be many better away performances at the New York, especially you know when um, when they've taken nothing as well. They'll be they'll be pretty aggrieved. Yeah, that's if anybody's watching any any other teams watch it. That's how to play against Rotherham United. We really, really struggle. Obviously, it's sim similar, similar south of Wickham, um, but it's it's how to stop a team like us and to, how to stop a lot of other teams as well. Um, Mick, you're not a fan of those slowing down tactics, are you? I hate it, mate. I hate it. It just it's like waving white flag, isn't it? It's like just saying, look, we're not good enough. We know we're not good enough to to play here at football, so we're just going to play another game, a different game, um, and, and and see what we can get away with. Um, and, and that's what they did. That's what they, you know, and, and I suppose under the circumstances, bearing in mind the golf in, in quality um, between the, the, the players of the individual players of each team and the teams as a whole, uh, I guess I can, I can probably see why, they, why they do it, but it absolutely does my boxing. It's just, it's just horrible, isn't it? It is horrible. I mean, I know Wickham, like we said, Many many times, Wickham Wickham are past masters at this sort of behaviour. But is it right? Is it? Is oh, well, I don't know. It's just going to happen, isn't it? It's but hopefully, hopefully by the end of this season, we'll we'll get promoted, and Wickham won't. So we won't have to put up with that part of the 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 
the, the downside of football. I mean, there's other there's other issues going into championship as we know, but at least that one won't be one of them. You know what I mean? So nah, I, don't, I hate it. Horrible. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I, I, we'll talk about the penalty incident in a minute, but we've gone over six league out six hours in the league without conceding a goal now. That's for four game, four games plus plus a little bit. Um, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, Danny, but we've got to talk about it again. As a defensive unit, ignoring this last 10 minutes, which we'll definitely come on to, they never really troubled. I know Vicky's had to make a save from an offside and they had a chance from a from a corner, I think. But we looked really, really strong once again against a very big, tough physical team. Yeah, it would. Well, like you say, ignoring the last 10 minutes, we sort of did what we did against Donny. We sort of kept them at arm's length and like really limited them to real chances at goal. I think they had one goal, a one shot against Vickers in the first half that was very easily saved. Um, and then they did come forward a little bit more in the second half and Vickers did pull off another worldly save. All right, it were offside, but he didn't know that. Again, heat of the moment sort of thing. You have to make the decision. Um, and then it only really fell apart in the last 10 minutes, but it was sort of like a collection of errors rather than an individual mistake. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, first half we sort of kept them at arm's length, but then they sort of kept us at arm's length. At the same time, mm. it was sort of like, a, I don't know, we were sort of reaching out against each other and, I don't know, we just sort of stopped each other, really creating any sort of chances. But then in the second half, it opened up a bit, a little bit more. Barlasa found his space, got his goal. But like you say, not conceding a goal in six hours of football. And I think, haven't we got the most clean sheets in the league now? Well, We've got 16, yeah. Yeah, six, 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 16 clean sheets out of 29 games. That is an exceptional record. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think our club record is 21 clean sheets in the season, which was the Division 3 promotion under Ronnie Moore. I think somebody, may, somebody listening or watching may correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's our record. So we're only five off equaling it, and there's mm. nearly 20 games left. That's that's how good we are. That's that's what we're talking about. Still only conceded what eighteen goals this season. Mm. Uh, we and now only have the five best home away. record. Only five away. We now have the best home record in the division. After Donny did, did as a favourite Sunderland. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it, we're going to talk about the negative of the referee in a minute. But will it's a, it's an amazing time to be a Rotherham fan. These players, this club, is on the verge of almost immortality of in being remembered. <laughs> If, if they yeah. continue, on the verge, I'm not saying we're there, but we're, we're getting there, aren't we? It felt like a big, big step yesterday, and there's a long way yeah. to go. Um, you know, eight points clear of Sunderland, I think, at the moment. And, you know, within the next month, we've still got uh, Wigan and Sunderland to play, um, unless it obviously gets moved, um, given the fact that Sunderland is international week. Um, so we could be going up there on a Wednesday or a Tuesday night. Um but yeah, long, long way to go. I think if we can uh, get to the end of a March and where we're in a good place, then uh, promotion might well be on the cards. Um, but it, yeah, it felt like a, a big, big step <laughs> yesterday, especially when that penalty got saved. Yes. So let's talk about the incident itself before we discuss his referee's points altogether. Um, first of all, Mick, it was a mistake from Wes Harden. Wes Harden's not dealt with that at all. Yeah. I'm really disappointed and surprised, but he, he's got a mistake in him, as as everybody has in League One level. But he's got a mistake in him. Whereas we're not going to dig him out for it. Um, and then it all a bit, all a bit chaos, chaotic. 
and then the referees are judged it has hit Richard Wood's arm. I wasn't sure at the time. You were certain at the time it had. Yeah. Having seen the still, I'm still not certain, but I don't think I think it's hit sort of his shoulder to bottom of his shoulder. Nah, <laughs> it's hit him up forearm, mate. From from my my recollection, it, it's, it's hit him on the forearm. It's hit him on the forearm, the forearm that he's put out to his to his right to stop the ball going in back at net. Uh, I, as soon as it happened, all I could think yeah, is, yeah. God, I hope referee hasn't seen that. He's not seen out else. Surely he hasn't seen that. Um, it, it was listen. What he's, he's talking, taking one for a team. For, for me, anyway, my from my my vantage point, you can't see it on telly. You can't see the. On the replays, on the iFollow footage, it's just you just can't see it because of the angle that Wood is at. Uh, but for me, it was a deliberate. I've got to put my arm out here and take one foot team. Um, so don't matter, does it? Ultimately, uh, as it as it happened. Um, but yeah, it, it, we're definitely. I think the only thing referee got got right all night, to be honest. <laughs> all, all Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um... I'm not convinced. <laughs> you, you, Matt, not you're convinced. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I'm in Benia. Uh, <laughs> um, I know what you think, Danny. Will, what are your... I mean, I mean, the luxury of looking back, what did you think? Um, I thought it was a penalty at the time. Um, and if I'm honest, I'm, I'm team Mick on this. I still think it's a penalty now. I don't think he's, like, put his arm out as far as, mm. as, far as here, Mick, but no. his arm is, is there. Um, and and that's ultimately what stopped it. I think, although for me, the whole moment was very very FIFA in in how it played out. The the whole uh, Wes Harding missing missing the ball, yeah. and Josh Vickers just coming out and jumping into thin air. Um, it felt like a glitch. Um, what shouldn't be missed here <laughs> is the block that Harding made to stop McConville scoring. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. We'll probably get forgotten. Um, and then obviously the handball for me is is a handball, um, but yeah, nothing came of it as I'm sure we're about to discuss. Yes, uh, Danny, you say not a penalty. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but that's my um, opinion <laughs> of it. Um, from from where I was, again, it were another thing that was bang in line with with where I was, and Woody's forearm was not out. At all, it was. If, if his forearm was out, it must have been like this. You know mm. what I mean? But again, it, yeah. it, that's in an unnatural position. Which again, that you strikes your hand. All right, it'll get given in Premier League because the sticklers for giving handball through VAR. But in at this level of football, that you sort of like again, it's a, it's a six of one and a half dozen of the other. Um, but for me, if you look at the replay and you look at a little bit of my footage and really, really slow it down, you know that 0.25 option on YouTube, it hits him here. It hits him right in that cusp of his shoulder where if it hits you hard enough, it just bounces straight back into play. Because, mm. you know, as, as people know playing football, that does happen. It can just hit you there and then come straight back out. But the worst thing about it was that the ref didn't give it, the linesman gave it, who was in an even worse position than the referee. You would have thought if the referee's seen it, he'd have blown straight away given it. But he checks with the linesman, who was in a worse position, who, like, he's got Woody, like, side on this way. So even if, as it is, um, it, is like being blocked that way. So mm. how come the line I was giving it and not the ref? But the referee the whole day, the the whole evening, 
was giving every decision by committee. And it really annoyed me. Like the, the fourth official gave a yellow card against Ferguson, who were 50 yards away on the other side at pitch. He, he kept consulting with linesmen all the time. It's just, mate, make the decision. If it's wrong, just, just say it'll come out that it's wrong after a game. But to just faff about with your linesmen all the time. And that linesman was suspect of giving offsides as well at one point. One of their players was quite clearly offside and never gave it. But, oh, it's one it's one of the worst refereeing, this, uh, refereeing shows that I've seen at football. And I know someone who is a referee and he messaged me after the game going, mate, what was that ref doing that game? And, oh, I need to, I need to calm, I need a beer, I need to calm down. <laughs> I'll, I'll start invading the pitch um, on Tuesday if I get more annoyed. <laughs> uh, we'll come on to you in a minute, mate, because we've been getting several messages about your view on the refereeing performance, but we'll come on to that in a second. Um, the penalty save will, it's almost, for me, it's almost impossible to split what happened with the penalty itself. Yeah. I think it would, it's easy to say this after the, after the event, I, the, the penalty would have been better and different had the incident not happened, but that's not Josh Vickers' control. And he guessed right, and in the end, it was a poor penalty. All they had to do it go the right way, and he did, and it was so happy for him. I mean, it, it was very clear that the fan got right in Harry Pell's head, um, yeah. sadly for, for him. Um, and um, might be a little bit harsh given the whole situation, but I think that might be the worst penalty that we've had taken um, at the New York Stadium, with the exception of possibly Johnson Clark Harris against uh, Charlton. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely dreadful. Um, and and obviously, Vickers has, has come up with a big save, and that's the reason that he's got the, the number one shirt, isn't it? In those big moments, you need your keeper to stand up and make those big saves. And, and Josh Vickers did, um, previous to the penalty as well. Um, we've not mentioned the, the save that he made from McConville, which was, um, equally as good, and obviously a couple of saves at, at the, uh, the death as well. So um, unbelievable performance from him. Mm. He's had a quiet few weeks, and he make um, because nothing. Mm. Of, there's nothing he can do. But he was called mm. upon on Saturday, and he answered the call on, like Will says, four or five occasions, and essentially won us the game. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, and we've, 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 we've sort of lauded over Vickers and Johansson so many times this season, haven't we? Every time either one of them plays, it's like, well. You know, it's just such a wonderful position to be in to have keep two keepers on on your books of, of that quality. Um, and and then and probably the the highlight of the afternoon for me was watching watching um, Johansson run on the pitch after the game and jump all over Vickers. I mean, that just says everything, absolutely everything you need to know about this football club, about this team, about this squad. It's just wonderful. Um, so, but yeah, he had a great game, a proper game. Did uh, did Vickers after after standing in cold and freezing his nuts off for ninety minutes in Doncaster on uh, on Tuesday night as well? He was probably yeah. bored. He probably thought, I'm gonna, <laughs> "I don't care what happens, I'm having part of this game." <laughs> Feel pleased to be involved. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because right, how fortunate are we in the goalkeeping department? Yeah, absolutely. And Donald London Vickers was outstanding. He was. Yeah. Um, but to say we rode us luck in the injury time, Danny, would be a bit of an understatement. We've got Vickers to thank, we've got the post to thank, we've got some poor poor shooting to thank. It was one of the craziest 10 minutes New York's seen in a long, long time. 
Yeah, <clears throat> it's one of the craziest 10 minutes I've seen in my life watching football. My days. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it all started when Vickers made the really good save and then Rathburn blocked it on um, on the near post to the replay, yes. which mm-hmm. Oli Rathburn at the back post, you know, he's kept it in that game there and then, which, by the way, was a similar instance to Richard Wood, but, oh, no, that's, that's not an handball, that. No, no way. Um, then there was Harden in the build-up to the penalty, like we've mentioned, which is another good block. Then, oh, I can't remember who their player was, but he strikes it dead on against the post, which he must be ticking himself over to miss from five, six yards out and strike it on the post. And then Vickers makes the save in... Um, in the shot from the rebounds, honestly, I was ready just for a lie down. I was ready for a kip there and then it stand. Probably would have done if it wasn't pissing it down. But, oh, what a mad, mad 10 minutes. The 10 minutes of madness. And I really do hope that we haven't used up all of our luck in those 10 minutes that we were going to use for the rest of the season. But, oh, my days. And then Michael Smith playing centre-half as well. I know, that, that. that were brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a, a Richard Woodrow, uh, go and attack everything, just go win every single header. Yeah, yeah, I bet he loved um, that. I bet he absolutely loved it. Mm. <laughs> uh, he's, um, I can't remember who said it, I think it was Matt Goodwin on comms. Or his, um, or his co commentator said that'll be his position when he's, when he's still playing at 38. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe <laughs> in true Beyond was- Dublin style. <laughs> yeah, Michael Smith, a converted centre back. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do now? We have a quick break with a word from a man from a manscape, and then we are going to get on properly to mix rant about the referee. See you in a minute. <laughs> Hello and happy New Year from us all. At New York talk. Uh, there's only foreigners, but happy New Year. Uh, also, from my happy New Year for my friends at Manscape, who very kindly decided to sponsor us. Uh, they're promoting their new product. The Lawnmower 4.0, um, which is kind of well known for reducing cuts uh, and making it a lot easier to trim your balls. Uh, you can buy this separately or in a bundle called the Performance Package, which also, which in that you get a ball toner, ball toner, and ball deodorant, uh, which are actually very handy um, because they're specifically designed for your balls, so they they work very well. Uh, I would highly, I highly recommend all of this. Uh, the lawnmower, it comes with a little light. Uh, comes with a little light there that comes on when you when you turn the, the razor on. So it's very good. It comes with a little charging port, or which is also a little holder. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I use it, and I, I highly recommend it. You highly recommend it, Ben. You highly recommend that somebody goes to manscaped.com and enters the code NYT for free shipping and 20% off. So that's manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping using the code NYT. And Ben either recommends it. <laughs> every time. Every week, every week. <laughs> we need to record a new one of them, but I really don't want to get rid of it. <laughs> Just let it out the new year, happy new year bit, and we can use it for the rest of the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. dear. Um, <laughs> very quickly, not Royal United later, but this is worth mentioning as a football podcast. Boreham Wood are through to the fifth round of the FA Cup, beating mm. Bournemouth. Sensational. We're not going to dwell on that, but that is sensational for them. 
And um, I know we've mentioned FIFA <laughs> before, but do you remember that button that says delete club? I imagine that's every Bournemouth fan right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Donald London, every time I watch the advert, Mick looks more and more awkward. <laughs> 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 oh, if God. Could, if you could see what was happening on this camera while that's playing, I look even more awkward. <laughs> right. Uh, it's time for your frowny face, Michael. Um, Andy Woolmer yesterday was a, cha- he is a championship referee. A championship referee, wasn't it? Um, it was, like Danny's mentioned it, it was genuinely one of the worst referee performances we've seen at New York in a very, very long time. The inconsistencies, the unwillingness to make a decision. I'm still in your thunder, but just talk me through that as a display. Well, I think you're ready. You, you said it, didn't you? You said it right right at the very beginning. He's a championship referee. Um, and week after week after week, whether we're in the championship or, or any or, or what, you know, the, these these referees are making the same decisions uh, or not making the same decisions week after week and never getting brought to book about it. I'll be honest, that performance from Woolmer yesterday was probably, I think, one of the worst refereeing performances I have ever seen, ever and I, I include Kettle and, and Ward and all those other people in this because he was consistently dreadful from the first minute to the last. That how on earth I, I accept and I do accept it and I, I keep I, I want to I want to sort of um, say this every time I have a pop at referees. I know it's difficult. I know it's a hard job. I'm sure I've, I would. There's no way that I would do it. There's absolutely no way because I'm not quick enough. Of, of, in the mind, I'm not quick enough on my feet to keep up with that sort of thing and, and 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 make those decisions as quickly as they need to make them. It's a hard job. But what Woolmer did yesterday was just carry on and make it even harder. You know, he'd he, he, he let something go and then 30 seconds later, pull it back for a, for a, um, a free kick or whatever, asking the linesman, asking the fifth, fourth official, I, I worry, and I, and I look at look back at that performance, and, and I, I I would suggest there's something not right with 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 him. I, whether whether he's not trusted, whether there's an issue, I, I don't know. But I have never ever ever seen a referee rely on his assistants and the fourth official to the extent that he relied on them yesterday. Mm-hmm. It, it's just remarkable. I, I, he's clearly the man is clearly not capable of making a decision off his own back. Um, I mean, the booking of Ferguson yeah. is is beyond any form of explanation. It's absolutely beyond any form of explanation because he's gone over to speak to the fourth official, who is literally fifty yards the width of a pitch away from the from the the uh, the challenge. He's not spoken to the linesman who is two yards away from the challenge and he's not made the decision himself being 10 yards away from it. It doesn't make any sense at all. You know, it's, it's taken advice from the linesman to give that penalty, who is essentially alongside Richard Wood, so can't make a decision. It, it None of it makes any sense. So I'm beginning to wonder, I've thought, having thought about it since between, between yesterday and today, or between Saturday and today, I wonder if there's some issue with uh, with, with him. I, I genuinely do, and, I, and I'm asking that question because I cannot see how anybody who does a job professionally can be that possibly be that bad at it. 
over a, over a consistent period of time. Um, so maybe maybe there's a there's an argument to say that he's got some issues somewhere along the line. Um, certainly, understanding the game of football is one of them by the looks of it, because um, that was just. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be the one that's banging on and criticizing referees all the time. But they make it so easy. Mm. It's like it's it's like falling off a log, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because anyway, anyway, that was probably the worst refereeing decision I can. It's certainly the the, the worst I can remember. I can't think of one worse individual decisions. Yeah. Gavin Ward, etc. I can. I can. You know. But but as a. a over a 90-minute period, I've, I've never seen anything like it, ever. I think the key thing with Gavin Ward, for example, that those individual decisions from Gavin Ward were terrible. But his overall refereeing fault wasn't. It was just mm. those big incidents. Yeah. Whereas Wolmer mm. yesterday, everything was just a bit bizarre and a bit weird. Mm. Um, yep. it's, I would prefer to have, and this is this, should be, this shouldn't be said, I'd prefer to have a League One referee. Yeah, yeah. We have time. much less problems with League One, other than Bobby Madley. And Trevor Kettle, we have much less problems with champ- with League One referees. How is that? How how should that be? That championship but, referees are professionals. There's but no Matt, excuse. we said this last season. We said it, this last season in the championship that you know, all right, we're going to go down. At least we'll get some decent referees. And so it's been proved. Except when we've had a championship referee drop down, drop down a level. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's remarkable. And, and, and I'm looking on Twitter and I follow a few Barnsley fans and I, I know a few Barnsley fans. And, and two decisions that they've had to disallow two goals in their last two games are nothing short of unbelievable. And yet, <laughs> never ever gets, or it appears to never ever be, be questioned. You know, managers can't question it. Captains can't question it. Uh, clubs can't question it. There needs to be more transparency. You know, from from the PG, PGMOL or whatever it, I can't remember what, it, what it's called. It's something yeah, like right, that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I got it right. Yeah. Look, I, I, fans, supporters, managers, players will be will be far more receptive if 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 the, they, they came out and said, "Look, we got that wrong. Yeah, we made a mistake. Yeah, we made a mistake. We'll work on that. We'll look at this thing, issue. We'll look at that issue, and we'll uh, be, be open. People will accept it." <coughs> But but it's like a wall of silence, isn't it? Um, and anyway, whatever. It's never going to change, is it? It's never going to change. And these are things we're going to be talking about a lot more should we go up next season. There's no question about it. No. Well, you look at uh, Lee Bowyer's comments on Friday Night Football on Sky Sports. They're, they had a shocking decision and he mentioned his post-match that he's had four or five apologies from referees this season. Four or five apologies is not good enough. It's not... How many apologies is Warney have last season? Yeah, yeah. had ten. You know, what I mean, it's mm. pointless. He's still making these decisions, and we're, like I said, we don't. We lumped on referees a lot last season, and we we haven't done it this much. See, we had at times, but it's been all right this season, and yeah, but, it's really frustrating. You said that we we talked we talked to Victor, um, uh, which is worth going to watch because he's, he's a right laugh, uh, and he said about Gavin Ward, apologise to him. I don't know whether it was at the Ipswich game. I'm sure. I think he said he, he apologised to him at the Ipswich game. You know, I'm sorry, I got that wrong and everything else. And then two weeks later, Huddersfield uh, versus were it Birmingham. I can't remember who it was. Josh Caroma yes. goes mm. in for a leg-breaking challenge. Don't even get a foul. <laughs> yeah. 
what I mean, what, what's the point in apologising if you're just going to carry on doing the same thing? It's like talking to a seven-year-old, isn't it? Don't say sorry if you're not going to if you're not going to do something about it. Bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Feeling. Uh, Ariel Astro, what are thoughts on having VAR in league? Oh God, no. no. That you're still going to get Andy Woolmer in charge of it. That's yeah. the, that, and that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've got a, a couple of points on referee, if I might. Um, and to be fair, quite a lot of it's been covered, so I don't want to cover too much of the same ground. But right. it felt like one of those managers at work where they wanted to try and get everyone involved just to try and make sure that they contributed to something. Um, I didn't really understand the whole process that it was going through, if I'm completely honest. Um, that Ferguson one was, was, I mean, one of the most ridiculous two minutes of my life, to be honest. Um, but he then set the precedent for the rest of the game, which is why every time that something happened, Accrington very quickly surrounded the referee because they knew that they were going to try and get a, try and get a rise or, or something out of the game, and it it really helped them. But there was moments like, for example, the left back making six fouls before he got booked, but then Ollie Rathbone getting booked for a first challenge. Yeah. It's just really, really inconsistent. And that, that's the thing that irked me the most, if I'm completely honest. Um, and he played into their game plan because just slowing the game down and, and everything that they wanted to happen really happened because of the referee. I think mixed points an interesting one in terms of um, the, the standard of refereeing. And look, we all know that that referee was not up to standard yesterday. Someone said in the comments that he was about 10 yards behind play. And it's very clear that he's not to the level that he needs to be. The problem that we've got is what are we doing within English football to make sure that people like this aren't refereeing games? The biggest problem that we've got is there aren't any referees coming through. So we have to look at why that why that is the case. Some of it will be down to what we've seen over the last few weeks or so. Some of it will be down to the fact that they don't want to deal with um, the abuse. Some some will say it's not paid well enough. Um, I personally think in terms of referees, what we need to do is we need to give them a basic wage, uh, cover their mileage, and then give them a performance bonus based on, on what they do um, within these games. That's the incentive to then go and perform because at the moment, the majority of them aren't doing it, but they know it's because they aren't going to get replaced anytime soon because there's no referees to do it. Yeah. Spot on. Absolutely mm. spot on. Danny, you had rant earlier. Anything else to add on Mr. Warmer? Um, <clears throat> other than the fact that someone spotted um, John Coleman and his managerial team uh, with their arms around the referees during the warm-up. So I don't know if there's something... <laughs> been exchanged there but <clears throat> this moves me nicely into um donna london's um comment about thoughts on the accrington's manager yeah. <laughs> now he got booked in the first half for kicking off because their keeper had been booked for time wasting which is another thing that our fans got very uppity over and quite rightly um and then after the whole penalty incident and all this and other um he looked into his um, <laughs> into his phrase book of "I feel physically sick," which is used uh, in the past. I think it was against Wigan, I think in the Derby FA in the Cup, it? Derby in the Cup. Derby. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then says about the match being abandoned, and just to say, you know, as the streets say, mate, as the streets say, dry your eyes. That's not 
that's not a big hit at him, but he's obviously come out and been very irked by the decisions that's been happening and then has felt aggrieved by it. But to say a match should have been abandoned because of an incident like that in the 89th minute, when I think we have to get to, if it's before 75 minutes and then the game can be abandoned, I think that's it. If it's after 75, you have to carry on however many minutes it takes, which is what we saw from um, with the Bolton game. They stopped it for about 10 minutes and then carried on. <laughs> but, yeah, with, with the referee, there's not much else to add. I think everyone feels the same way about this referee. My only point would be, when are journalists going to be able to ask the referee questions on his performance after the game? They do it in rugby. They, uh, they can ask the umpire questions in cricket. Why can't we do it in football? Is it because they screw away to the dressing room and don't come out until everybody's gone home because they know they've done poorly? Or is it just something that we haven't looked at yet? Because I'd love for Paul Davis to collar the referee and go, why have you made this decision? What, what, what was your influence for this decision? But unfortunately, it's been so long in football and it's probably so ingrained in football that you don't question the referee's decision all the way from back when football was still amateur, back in the early FA Cup days. You never questioned the official, so we'll probably never get it in football. But I think because there is so much... I don't, um, how do I put it? So much, like Will says, so much irk with referees these days over poor decision-making and some referees are very poor with the decision-making, whether it's the odd occasion or setting a precedent throughout the game and then sort of having to stick to it. We should be able to ask referees questions. We should be able to get a referee in a post-match and go, so Mr Whoever, why, what influenced you to make this decision? But we don't have that, but it's just my piece, I think we should. I think the yeah. problem that you would have with that is week on week, you'd just be asking referees about trivial uh, decisions. You won't actually be talking to them about, mm. OK, Mr. Mister Referee A, you've had a really good game today. Tell us about what you thought about the game or or all that mm. sort of thing. It'd just be very focused around the negatives, which is why they've probably not allowed it. But, I mean, it's a valid point to, to an extent, I think. So, Mr. Yeah. Ward, how do you feel about the uh, Rotherham United goalkeeper being in hospital with a fractured eye socket and concussion and you gave a goal, Mr. Ward? How do you feel yeah. about that, mate? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Moving on. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you very much, Mr. Woolmer. See you next time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anything else we want to add on, on the Accrington game? Um, it was... Yeah, it felt key. It felt like a key moment for me. Anybody else got anything you want to add? I think we've said all we all we need to say, haven't we? Really, cool. we've covered just about everything. I mean, it was Wales's hundredth yeah. league appearance. I think that's worth a little mention. It is, yeah, and I thought he had a really good game as well. Um, certainly, the second half, um, mm. I thought it was very, very, very good. Um, hopefully, it's the first hundred of many hundreds. I don't think. He, I think he's. I think he's destined for bigger and better things. Mm. But I hope it's the first yeah. more hundreds. I think um, just on that, uh, to, to get to 100 games, I think he's 22 years old now, is he? Um, or around that, to have achieved that by by that age is is astounding. Is. So congratulations to Ben. Um, he's one of the fittest guys in the squad, isn't he? So fingers crossed he'll be, he'll be going for a, a long, long time. Um, and we're just going to enjoy him while he's at Rotherham United because what a player. Proved it yesterday. Uh, ran, his, ran himself right to the ground. Um, and everything that you'd want to see in a, in a midfield performance. Yeah, yeah, bang on. Absolutely. Um, just on final on Donna's point about John Coleman, the comments after the game. I think he was clearly he was clearly still emotional. 
I would hope in the clear light of day that I asked Rafa out, I would hope he, he would think those comments don't help the situation, is what I think I'm trying to say. We needed measured comments uh, in a measured way. I, I, I think he went over the top, and I, th I think he'll probably see that today, hopefully. Um, but I understand where he was coming from, to a point. Um, she's also mentioned about him kicking over some water bottles in front of some people in stand as well, which is not what you want to see at all. Um, he's, got a high, yeah, were, he's got to hold himself to a higher standard as well. There were a five-minute period where we just stood arguing with fans, uh, which yeah. I saw, which is, is absolutely unacceptable. So he has to own his part in that as well. Um, and also, Danny, what you were saying about him hugging the referee uh, before the game, I don't think he was hugging the referee when uh, when his goalkeeper got booked and he subsequently got booked as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, so let's move on. It was for me. It was a key. It was a key moment. Everything fell our way, and that's what that's what happens to good teams, brave teams, and hopefully that's a mm. sign of what's going to happen in the next three months. Um, so we've got another comment up here from somewhere about we're going to talk about before we move on to Wimbledon game. We're going to talk about Kieran Sadlier, Donald London. Sadlier's interview was awful. Glad he's gone. Now this was really frustrating, Danny. Again, another player who's left us who doesn't like us for some reason. Um, it's very very similar to the Lewis Wing situation for me. I'm reading again, reading between the lines. What are you doing? Reading between lines, did you? I suppose. Um, it's really frustrating his comments, and he just feels daft. I mean, in, in his interview, it was with um, Bolton's paper, I think. Mm. Um, he says that he's not bitter, but from the language that he's used, he quite clearly is. And to yeah. say uh, we aren't a team that sort of plays, I, I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but it basically says we attack without playing attacking football. Mm. I, I mean, well, that's his goal against. Um, yeah, Zacharyton came from an attacking move that it was a free kick, was headed back, and he's rifled it. And <laughs> I think it was just after the Donny game when his comments came out, and it's like, sadly, you haven't started for Bolton yet, mate. You know, I think he was an, an unused sub against uh, against Morecambe, and he only came on for about 15, 20 minutes mm -hmm. in their game against Sunderland. So the, the only really claim to fame that Kieran Sadley has got this season is that he's seen. Sunderland's biggest and second biggest defeats in a single season for two separate sides. But his, his comments came across as a very bitter player that he thought he was a lot bigger than he was and he should have been starting every week and almost to a point where the team should be accommodating me mm. uh, and my style of football, which isn't what we're about. And it comes across as someone who didn't really want to muck in. You know, he didn't want to get his hands dirty and put in the hard graft and, and do something for the team, whether it's on the right-hand side or when he gets a chance to play in his natural position. I mean, look at Ben Wiles, for example. Ben Wiles has played in the middle of the park, which is best position, but has also played left-back because we needed it at, at the time, of course. But we sadly, he almost wasn't like that. <clears throat> he almost got the hump on when he played out on the right-hand side and then didn't track back. And then when he got to play in the middle, he sort of like tried a little bit too hard to do what he wanted to do, whether that was try and beat players or shoot from 40 yards out or whatever. Um, but obviously, he didn't like his 18 months here. He said he didn't want to be here and that it was the wrong decision. So, try. Enjoy Bolton in League One. <laughs> yeah, there were rumours when he first signed Manchester last season that he didn't want, he was wanted by Hull, wasn't it? But he couldn't sign for him because of the wage cap at the time. So, I don't think he wanted to come in the first place, uh, is my reading of the situation uh, when he first signed. Um, yeah, frustrating, really frustrating. But if we don't want to be here, it's good riddance, I suppose. Will, isn't it? If you want to be here, bye bye. 
yeah, another wage off the uh, off the bill. Um, for me, I'm not hugely offended by the comments, to be honest, because he's just another guy with an opinion. And I think from a media point of view as well, we have to understand that words can be taken and into in and out of context. So that might be it might just be a way that it's been written to endear himself to to Bolton fans. Um, that's an angle that I would expect him to take as as a new player at a new club. I think the the interview itself was was pretty unnecessary, um, mm. just mm. with some of the comments that he made, um, saying that this club doesn't have technical players. Um, <laughs> is, is just Nick. You said that we weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to swear. I'm, I'm going to get my my one in. It's utter bollocks. <laughs> Absolute poppycock. Um, if I had to make a sign about it, Will, you'd have come out right and say it. <laughs> I don't care. I'd literally have got zero Fs to give by this point. Help myself back there, though, didn't I? Um, yeah, um, really just don't understand it. I understand in terms of the, the style of play, it wasn't him. We mm. don't play with, with players that are running into pockets, um, which is probably where he wants to play. He wants to play in that turn. He doesn't want defensive responsibility. He'll get that opportunity at Bolton. He'll probably do really well. And, and mm. you know, football's a short career. I hope he goes on and, and does okay, as long as it's not against us. Um, but yeah, for me, just a really unnecessary interview and I'm very keen now to focus on the players that actually care and want to want to play for this football club. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on to the Wimbledon game. Um, they've well, a couple of bits of team news to tick off. Uh, Richard Wood will be suspended unless we appeal, which I don't think we are going to. I don't think we're successful anyway. So, But that is almost certainly only a one-game ban. Um, it's only more than one if you've been sent off before, violent conduct, or I think Paul Davis said his dissent. Neither it's none of those, so it should only be a one-game ban. But that'll keep down Paul Davis because he'll confirm that tomorrow, I assume. Um, we have the Loney from Arsenal 2-2 still not with us. He should be available for the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, who else? Icky may or may not be in again. We'll probably get more information from Warney on Monday. Uh, it doesn't sound too bad that we just need to need contact, so hopefully he should be available for Tuesday because. We've almost walked. Go on, go on, Will. Well, I think I, I, I fingers crossed. Sorry, Will. Yeah. I thought you were putting me on the talk. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've we've walked ourselves into almost a defensive crisis, Mick, because for, for, even just for Tuesday, to be fair, because Wood is not there, Icky's not there, Angus may not be ready. We're then struggling a little bit because we're three at back. We're in a little bit of a hole. Yeah, possibly. Possibly, but I, I suspect one either either Ricky or um, um, Angus will be fit enough to play. Um, I suspect Ricky will be by the sounds of it. Um, so I, yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? We're, we've got Joe Matic um, all, all yeah. drop in there anyway. So yeah, it's a bit of a problem. It's a bit of a problem, but I don't think it's going to be too massive, is it? Under circumstances, I think we're, we're pretty. We're, we, we, defensively, we're pretty solid anyway. Uh, even if, even yeah. if, at worst case scenario, I had to change to four at back instead of five, you know. Um, <coughs> Hakeem Adolphin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's nothing serious, Will. <laughs> uh, just an attack of the um, defensive midfielders, there, weren't it? Well, I think, but yeah, Adolphin can get in there as well, like Will said. 
So we, we, yeah. it's not a problem. Let's not let's not make a, a deal that big deal out of it, mate. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm a player. Just you do always stick Smithy at centre back. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wimbledon are not in great form at all. Um, no win in the last ten games. Had ten league games. The last win was against Accrington on the seventh of December. Uh, some symmetry with us playing Accrington last. Um, looking at their home form, their home form is really average. They've only won two home games this season. I think they drew nine. Um, so there's a draw coming. Um, they beat Oxford. Their only standout win of the season is Oxford, but that was in September when, again, Oxford were bang average at the time. It, it really is an average season for them, Will. And that's as it does when you top at league. It's just another banana skin. Yeah. For sure. I mean, they're down there at the moment, really struggling. Um, so they're going to be scrapping for their lives, aren't they? Um, they have uh, at home conceded at least one in 12 of the last 14 home matches. Um, so hopefully if we can get one, we don't tend to concede these mm. days. So uh, that might be enough. I think in terms of how they'll set up and stuff, uh, they're, they're typically 4-2-3-1. Um, and they'll look to try and keep it tight and score late on. So they've scored... Now 31 goals, sorry, 31% uh, of their goals uh, past the 75th minute this season. In terms of mm. how the team looks, uh, they signed Sam Cosgrove, who of course was of interest to us in the summer. Um, in mm. January, post a loan spell at Shrewsbury. Obviously hadn't had a great time at uh, Shrewsbury because he wasn't playing uh, a huge amount. Um, and they have got a lot of players that could potentially hurt us. They've got uh, Nightingale at the back, who's who's really big and strong and will be uh, the, the the threat for Smudge. Um, they're very uh, keen to, to play out from the back and their, their pass uh, between Nightingale and Hartigan is the most played combination this season. They just lost uh, Ollie Palmer um, to Wrexham for 300 grand. Uh, so they need to replace his goals, but they've got Ayub Asal, uh, Asal sorry, who's box office went on form, pace and power uh, that causes a lot of problems and he's got eight goals already this season. And in Jack Radoni, they've got probably uh, their best player and a player that looks like he's he's ready for championship football. He's just been named in uh, the best 21 under, under 21s uh, stars from the EFL. Loves to shoot and actually despite the fact that he's not particularly the, the tallest guy, has scored quite a lot of goals with his head so far. Um, seven goals so far. So, so yeah, really difficult night on Tuesday night. Um, new stadium for for uh, those of us, us that are going. But, yeah, they're not just going to roll over. That's not what League One's about this season. And we're going to, again, have to put in a, a very decent performance to take three points. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Steve Cook mentions they were awful at New York Stadium. They were awful. But mm. what that says to me, if they're awful then, they're probably not going to be awful again, um, mm. which is unfortunate for us. But... You know, um, the referees Charles Brake Spear, who last refereed us away at South End in 2019, just for Christmas. Oh, God. Um, so you know, <laughs> that was um, a great game, wasn't it? <laughs> on the stats that Will's just gone through there, Danny, one consider one goal at least one goal in the last 14 games. We were guaranteed a draw then for us because if we, we get a goal based on everything we everything we're doing at the minute, we're, we're not going to concede more than one. Almost certainly. Yeah, I think it's going to be a one draw. <laughs> um, but but no, as Will says, with them playing out from the back, if we are on point with our 
uh, high press of their defence, it could be very fruitful for us. But at the same time, like like he says, 31% of their goals have come after the 75th minute. And after what happened against Accrington, we, again, we'd have to be on the ball with that one as well, per se. Um, but yeah, with, with the whole defensive setup, I think um, one route that Warney could play, if Icky's like, okay, but not like 90 minutes, okay, he could play him for a little spell, see how he is at a certain point. And then you have always got Angus as backup, Adolphin as backup in that position. Um, I do think we are going to stick with a back three. I think we'll play uh, Harding on the right, Matic on the left, who did very well against Donny. Um, yeah. So that could be a potential another good performance from them, hopefully. And hopefully Harding doesn't jump for a ball and miss it and then cause Vickers to miss it again and, and, all, and all sorts of things happen. Um, but yeah, it should be a very, very interesting game because like you say, Wimbledon were quite poor at our place. They are now looking to be not poor against us. So for them, I think a draw would would be good. Um, conceding a few goals would be good, but a win would be best. So that they're they're going to try and come at us a little bit, aren't they? They're going to try and play out from the black, possibly play through any pockets that they find through us, and then just try and get round the back three. Um, whether or not they're successful, we'll have to wait and see. But like we say, it's a new ground in it. It's one of the newest grounds in well in football. Mm. Actually, but the one bone I have to pick with Wimbledon, and this isn't a fault of their own, the one thing I have to nitpick with is that their tickets have arrived on an A4 piece of paper. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll try and not show me my QR code because I don't want someone stealing my ticket. But they've arrived on an A4 piece of paper. <laughs> and so the story goes is that they sent like the batch up to New York Stadium and it actually got lost in the post. So there was a sudden... <laughs> Sudden flap at New York Stadium, so I think they've like corresponded reference numbers, and then they've actually printed out the physical ticket on a bit of paper. Um, so yeah, this is new. I haven't seen an A4 piece of paper since I went to Solihull, so this should be fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're gonna be going along. Yeah, uh, we're going along So apologies to everybody, but we've got we've got a couple more things to talk about yet. So. Do stick with us. I hope you're enjoying it. To our um, episode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, we know the questions about defence, Mick, which means nobody's going to get 11 out of 11 on Fano. Um, yeah. Midfield's probably, probably pretty much set. Shields yeah. pretty much set. Smith's set. So yeah. that leaves Ferguson or Miller. And do you keep Griggin again? Uh, why would you not? Why would you not? I'm anywhere immense on Saturday. Again, I know he didn't score, but the, the, his contribution... To, to to that to the game was was massive. Hundred percent, I keep him in. I, I'm just disappointed he's not getting a full a full ninety. But I do understand the need to get JJ on there and get JJ some time. I do understand that because JJ is definitely going to be here next season. Well, big possibly not. So I, I, I get that. But no, I wouldn't swap him at all. I thought he was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Some of the some of the little layoffs and and. and uh, you know the, the pressing that he did. It just yeah, no question. The the, quite, the only question outside of the defence, as you say, is is Miller or Fergie. That's the only question really for me. Mm. Yeah, uh, Shellstone would go Miller and Grigg. That's certainly yeah. how I would go. Uh, Will Fergie didn't have the best game on on Saturday, so just based on that, you would probably say because Miller played well last time, it just makes sense to bring Miller in, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd uh, I'd fetch Miller back into the side. I think he uh, he deserves it after the performance on uh, on Tuesday, um, and obviously he only played what 
20, 30 minutes on uh, on on Saturday, so it should be fresh and, and ready to go. Just on Griggy, I mean, the three chances that, that he had yesterday, um, he'll be absolutely <laughs> yeah. gutted not to not to stick one away. But he's doing all the right things, isn't he? I mean, mm-hmm. his hold up play yesterday was was unbelievable, and he's getting in the right idea in the in the right areas. I think he's maybe snatching at some chances because he knows that there's there's three strikers behind him that are absolutely desperate to be on the pitch. But <laughs> you've got to remember that this is still one of the the leading goal scorers of, of all time in League One. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as he bags one, I'm pretty confident that he'll he'll get three or four to follow. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Danny, same Miller and Grig, Miller and Grig to start. Yeah, I think so. Like Will says, <clears throat> Grig was amazing. He's been amazing the last two games. It just goes to show that. Being a centre forward and a striker isn't always about the goals you score. It's what you do on the ball and what chances you create, whether it's through a run or a little layoff. Because uh, I think Grig was one of the instrumental things against Donny. He worked really, really hard to win the corner, which led to our first goal. He um, he laid it off for Oli for Rathburn. who was very unfortunate not to score, like we said, all the way back at the start of the podcast. Uh, so if you're still here, thank you for sticking with us. Um, but yeah, I, I think Grig Grig starts. He bagged against Wimbledon last time, so he could bag again. Um, and like we say, he was very unlucky with those three chances. That oh, I, I, I was so so distraught <laughs> for him because he because he's hit one good save, hit another one blocked off the line, and then he's fired it basically into the car park. And mm. you heard the dejection in everybody's voices because we're yeah. it's one of them where you're willing him to score now. Yeah, like we, right. we've already um we've already broken Coyote's duck that he's now scored for the club. Um so, <laughs> and that vlog still makes me laugh with me screaming his name. That was funny. But now we now it's Griggs turn. We're all willing Grig to score now. Um so yeah him up front with Smith will do nicely and then Miller on that left hand side so we can terrorise whoever's for, unfortunate enough to start at right back uh, for Wimbledon. Because he's the Chio on the left, and so Ferguson's yeah. great, but Miller just adds that little bit of pace, but also a little bit of a rawness of a player where they're a little bit more free to try stuff. Um, and I don't know, we might bag from the corner again, so there's always that to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, well, that'd be nice. Um, quick score predictions, and then we will properly wrap up. Michael, and hang on, did anybody get it right of the day? No, we all got it wrong for Accrington game. Ah, three nil Millers. Another clean sheet, and I think we'll. I think we'll. Um, I think we'll be reasonably comfortable on Tuesday night. Three nil again. We're beating three nil our place. Right there, you go. <laughs> symmetry. You like symmetry, Matt, don't you? I do love symmetry in football. There you go. Um, Steve Cooper's with us. He says two nil to us. Uh, Will, what do you reckon? Uh, 2-0 I think I'll go 2-0 um, and just in terms of uh, the uh, the the left back I, th- I think it'll probably be uh, Paul Osu who switched sides mm. um, so won't be playing up, playing up against Chio. looks like they've signed Lee Brown from um, from uh, Pompey um, so he'll probably have a, a difficult evening against Chio instead <laughs> but only <laughs> we'll, 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 all, we'll all sign a card for him saying we're sorry yeah. for what's coming. Bless him. Yeah. But you may never um, know he might put in a good performance against Joe, so we'll wait and see. Let's hope not. Um, I'm a player, <laughs> says 1 1. Uh, Danny, what do you reckon? Um, well, I mean, 2 0 sounds okay, doesn't it? But I don't think I don't think we'll score that many, to be honest. But I think 
we will probably keep a clean sheet, so I'm going to say a 1-0. Very conservative 1-0. We'll break the bag. <laughs> I'll go 1-1. I'll, go, I'll be the negative Nelly in this one. I'll go 1-1. Wow. Um, Henry Cobb, 0-1. I assume that's 0-1 towards being the away team. Um, Scott Grundy also thinks 1-0 towards as well. Um, so we'll come on with a couple of things to finish us off with. Um, I think we should definitely mention the Angus McDonald Foundation, which the club sort of announced on Friday, I think it was, with that fantastic video that they put out with the Robin fan. I haven't written his name down, so apologies if you're listening. But I think it's a brilliant video from you and Angus. It's both got brilliant stories and um, best wishes to you as well. Mm. Um, if you can donate to Angus Foundation, it's it's a really good uh, spot. And people with cancer and they cancer care and everything else. Uh, buy one of the hats, which look really cool. Uh, I'll, I'm going to try and buy one at some point. Um, mm, me too. Uh, he looks really good. And as as we saw, as we saw with Crooks when he was here, it's just great to have these these people who are just using their platform for better. Um, I think it's fantastic, and we should have also mentioned Matt Crooks scoring against Manchester United, um, which <laughs> tremendous. Was again, it was brilliant. Oh. What a guy! <laughs> I'll get me what going. a guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that that win we made in Rotherham with Dale Fry, who's play for us, Matt Crooks. So we we will take all the credit that is available for that mm. win for Middlesbrough. So well done, yeah. you're welcome, Middlesbrough. Um, if you are travelling down to Wimbledon on Tuesday, the best wishes, good luck to the journey. It's a safe journey. Be good. I, I, I'm going to talk to you like I'm being I can talk to my six year old when she goes to school. Please be good. <laughs> and if somebody else is acting the divvy and acting acting this, tell them to stop. And if they won't t- tell a steward, dob them in if they're being idiots, because they're just going to make your life more difficult from 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 harsh stewarding. And we've, we've heard stories about Wimbledon stewards not being scared either to get stuck in. So be careful. Um, if you aren't going, then what you can do is before the game starts, if you go onto the AFC Wimbledon's YouTube page, you will be able to see Danny and Will having a little chat with Nine Years Podcasts. Uh, in a bit in the preview, um, so I'm personally looking forward to that. That should be really good, guys. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, uh, they they sort of invited me and Will at the same time. Then went, "Do you know each other?" And it's like, "Yeah, we do. We're both <laughs> on the podcast together." So it's like, "Do you mind coming on together?" Yeah, brilliant. Um, but the thing that's really surprised, I think, both of us to a point, they've um, they're actually arranging stadium passes for us mm. because their studio is within the ground. Um, so yeah, it should be a really interesting experience for us both, I think, Will. Yeah, definitely. Really looking forward to it. Sounds like a really professional setup. So excited to see what we can potentially learn from it as well. Yes, we'll take, note, we'll take note, lads. <laughs> you're missing a trick here, Matt. How come we ain't got a studio at New York Stadium? Well. Sorry, that's on you, pal. <laughs> yeah um so keep an eye on all that uh if you have if you're watching on youtube facebook make sure you subscribe to the youtube page that we would really appreciate that if you're not following on facebook and twitter make sure you do that as well um and mix told me to tell you if you enjoy this tell your friends and family who are rotherham fans um that'd be really good and what i would also say is mick the next episode is a preview of the Sheffield wednesday game so Prepare yourself. Get your best. Get your fish rod out. Um, I'm gonna think of something, Anna. I've got to think of something. Because they will tune in. They did last time. They all tuned in. I know they did. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think what we should do, as soon as they're not tuned into this one, 
we should all make a pact, right? That we'll we'll review we'll review the Wimbledon game, and mm. then just finish off by previewing the Wednesday game, saying we're away at Sheffield Wednesday on Sunday. Thank Thanks you. very much for watching. We'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. We'll go on to that. I'll be Thursday night. We're five back Thursday night on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter uh, on the podcast right Friday morning, as it always is. Looking back at Wimbledon, looking ahead, like I said, to Sheffield Wednesday. If you're on iTunes, Spotify, make sure you're subscribed on there and give us a five-star rating, whatever allows you to do that. Good enough, not all of them do. We've gone long, but I hope you've enjoyed it tonight. We've got lots of good stuff, lots of bad stuff. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you'll join us again next time. Um, Mick, Get ready. Get 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 your notebook out. Get writing some bike, some fishing, fishing stuff out. Like <laughs> I'll have to find out who's playing well for him, won't I? And just call yeah, them names. Sure. Wait, Wednesday players yeah. play well. But it's a short it's a list. It'll be a short list, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sorry. first clip. Uh, <laughs> Hello, <laughs> uh, Danny. Pleasure as always, and have a safe journey down to Wimbledon. I will do. <clears throat> I promise to behave myself because uh, I'm not allowed to drink on the bus going down. Um, I've, I've made that. I've made that decision myself. I'm not drinking on the way down, so I'm nice and fresh faced for their podcast. Uh, and then we'll see what the result brings afterwards. But yeah, but if you want to have a look at the Angus McDonald Foundation, it is linked in the description of the vlog. Um, so please excuse my unprofessional attitude towards the end of the vlog. Keep it in the first quick two minutes and uh, check out Angus McDonald's page because it is a really great cause that they're raising money for. Yeah. Um, and I've been told that they are getting another batch of hats in very, very soon. They just missed it for the game on Saturday, but it should be back in very, very soon. So keep an eye out for that on their website. Yeah, and I will uh, put, the, put the link in our show notes. So if you, wherever you get your podcast, and I'll check it in this one as well, the link to that. Uh, and Will, same to you. Great to have you on, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a, have a safe journey. Thanks, mate. Good to speak, Millers. Uh, yeah, cheers, guys. Everyone watching. Yes. Up the Millers, see you next time. Up the Millers.